Welcome into the 11 Dubcast presented by Bend Active. Guys, if you're looking for a perfect holiday gift for your ladies, check out bendactive.com and their store right there in Upper Arlington. It is the 11 Dubcast. We are doing it live on a Tuesday. I am Bo Bishop, Johnny Ginter on the other side of the things. Boy, buddy, I mean, honest to God, we could go in about 100 different ways here. I mean, we are in a situation where like the third biggest story of the weekend is Ohio State beating Michigan again. Like yeah. that's how bananas the, the weekend was but for the sake of and we'll get to shiano and we're also going to get to uh the jt barrett's a bruder film and we'll get to the <laughs> college football playoff we're gonna get to all of that stuff mm-hmm. let's start with the game because in the end that's what we're here for right is the game we'll get to the soap sure. opera stuff still to come also by the way darren lee's going to join us he'll be coming up a little bit later in the show as well so that to look forward to which is nice let's start with the game we had said last week on the show Michigan cannot get off to a fast start. And Ohio, the only way that Ohio State could lose is if Michigan got off to a fast start and Ohio State chased the game. Mm-hmm. What I think is very interesting about what transpired on Saturday, almost as if, because that's exactly what happened. Michigan gets off to the fast start. Ohio State chases the game. They abandon the run game. JT Barrett had more carries at half than J.K. Dobbins and Mike Weber combined. The script that we hate, that we've seen so often in these losses, it was all playing out. And then J.T. Barrett gets hurt. And it was as if they had to run the football again. And then, sure enough, it worked out pretty well. And by the way, Dwayne Haskins was fantastic in relief. To me, when I think of this game, and we'll get to O'Corn and some other things that that transpired in the game, that was where this whole thing flipped. The, the Ohio State, when I think back to the 2017 Ohio State-Michigan game, Johnny, I will think back to Ohio State winning the game because of Dwayne Haskins. Not in spite of, <laughs> but because of. And I don't want to crown him, and I, I know JT's going to start against Wisconsin and should play as much as he wants, um, but it was almost like, and Haskins made throws that JT couldn't make, but it was almost like the injury to JT forced the offense to reevaluate and remember what it was and went right. back to the run. Like they rediscovered it. I think the most irritating part about this season and the past couple seasons is that when the coaching staff like forgets that they have JT Barrett as a quarterback and they just think it's generic quarterback XYZ, whatever. And we're going to call plays based on that. When they do that, they have a really good game plan because they don't expect their quarterback to do literally everything and run the ball as much as all the other, you know, running backs combined. Like they actually just ask the quarterback to be a quarterback. And then when that happens, they tend to open up the offense a little bit and they don't, they don't turtle and they don't do dumb stuff, but when they think that it's, you know, JT Barrett, superhuman back there, who's going to have to do every single thing on the field, then things slow down and then the plays look a little weird. And I, 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 I wanted JT Barrett to be able to win the Michigan game I know. on the merits of his own talent and skills and not have to do 35, you know, called quarterback runs on the inside. Like, I just, it, it boggles my mind how they seem to restrict his natural abilities and he's not Braxton Miller and he can't do all that stuff. And I think he can win. I think, I think Ohio state can win that game in a walk. If they come out and say, you know what, we're just going to throw the ball around. We're going to rely on the running game when we can JK Dobbins getting six yards of care. We're going to do that three out of four times. And then JT Barrett's going to hit, you know, an eight yard pass to ball or somebody else. You can win that game easily by doing that, but they didn't have that game plan. They, 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 they played it conservatively and it ended up biting him in the face in the first quarter. So I just, I don't like the narrative of the game all of a sudden got better because Haskins in. The game got better because they were 
they were calling better plays. And I think that's all. But I don't know that they call the plays if JT's still there. They don't. I that's the, exactly I'm not point. saying that's exactly my point. And that, yeah, I mean, that reflects poorly. Yeah. A lot of people say that reflects poorly on JT Barrett and it, it's not him. It is not, no, it's on not him. him. No, it's there. I think they have almost too much trust in him and they don't trust yes. anybody else but him. And right. then when his, when he, when the injury happens, then they have to reevaluate the, where they're going about their business and they go, Oh yeah, we have two all world tailbacks. Maybe we should give right. them the ball. And right. then they start to, and it all works. The one thing I will say when I said they won the game because of Haskins, I'm not trying to stir anything up there what i'm what i'm meaning is it's two part one it changed their mentality calling plays which was pretty obvious but the second thing was haskins throw on third and 13 to austin mack is a throw that he alone can make right i mean he has an arm talent i was talking to zach jackson of the athletic today and he was saying he was in the press box for the browns Bengals game on sunday and a scout came up to him and said what do you know about this Dwayne haskins kid the ball flies out of his hand like the nfl took notice of the arm and we all know it i mean we all knew this about haskins and i also got to credit his his mental fortitude this was a kid who fumbled in the illinois game last week and was benched and now yeah. stuck into a game 14 14 in ann arbor against michigan doesn't know if barrett's going to come in or not and immediately is put in a position where he's got to make a throw on third and 13 and puts his puts it in a window about the size of a baseball card and you go wow okay that takes onions to make that throw. I mean, that's, well, and overall, that's some mental I mean, fortitude. Yeah. And overall, I think he played incredibly well. Was, uh, great. Know. So I, you know, it's, it's again, something where people are going to be looking at this, like, Oh, Dwayne Haskins knows what he's doing. Maybe, you know, we shouldn't rely on a semi injured JT Barrett in a big 10 championship. I mean, obviously right. they're going to play JT Barrett is if he can, if the dude yeah. can be wheeled out onto the field, he's going to be playing. But yeah. like, Again, I just I, I hate the fact that it feels like they're they're almost trying to play against their strengths when JT Barrett is in the game. I don't I just don't understand it. I feel well, like it's incredibly I, counterproductive and it, yeah. like I know I know that's the quote unquote safe play. It doesn't yeah. feel like that though. It feels no, like it's not. they're it's, hamstringing themselves to do that. They are over reliant on and have been since they got there on the quarterback to do everything. Yeah. Uh, with Braxton, you could get away with it more because he was so dynamic as a runner. Um, but they've done in this with, with JT for years where they just, you know, I mean, you, you want to, we can count a, you know, a half dozen instances in a half in six seconds of just right. over-reliant on quarterback and forgetting you have Zeke Elliott against Michigan state in 2015 or forgetting you have Curtis Samuel, you know, last year in the Penn state game. I mean, it, and forgetting you have JK Dobbins. And, and Mike Weber in the Oklahoma and, and the Iowa game. So, I mean, this is this has happened a lot recently. And when Haskins came in, it, it, it changed the way they viewed it. And I don't understand it. I can't explain it. Let's talk big picture. Urban Meyer is now 6-0 and against Michigan. He's the first coach since fielding Yost to start 6-0 and in the game. That is a stunning accomplishment. It's more valuable to me than the end of Trestle's run because the majority of the teams that Urban has played have been pretty good. Um, Certainly the the last two Michigan teams, last year's Michigan team was very good. This year's Michigan team was fine. Uh, The end of Trestle's run, it was a lot of those Rich Rod teams were just a joke. Um, But this is a pretty remarkable thing. I think equally remarkable is Jim Harbaugh is now 0-3 against Ohio State and 1-2 and against Michigan State. And if his last name is anything other than Harbaugh, the seat is pretty hot. Right. Yeah, I don't... 
I want to say that, and I was talking to some people about this. I, I want to say that Jim Harbaugh can pretty much call a shot when it comes to uh, his cachet and stuff. Like, I, I don't think losing to Ohio State is going to end his career at Michigan, no, but I do think not, that not once or three no. times. But no, he's well, win at some point. Yeah, right. But you know, the amount of patience that, for example, you know, Ohio State had with John Cooper kept him for an entire decade or more. So. I don't look, I, I think he does have to win at some point, but I don't think it's going to be something that ends his career or anything like that with, with Michigan. Uh, I do think it's interesting that they just seem to be always a couple steps behind Ohio state as a program. I mean, people will be talking about next yeah. year for Michigan about how, I mean, they had an incredibly young team this year, but I got to tell you something, Ohio state had the youngest team this year. So I don't, I mean, yeah, they they have a lot of opportunity. They have a lot of talent, and a lot of guys are going to be coming in. Peters looks like he might be pretty decent, and they've they've got a lot of young guys on the defense. But yeah, man, like I, it just feels like they're constantly playing from behind when it comes to trying to catch up to ice as a program. And I don't know what it'll take for them to to pull even. Like I really don't. I don't. I don't know what else they can do. Really, there, so. I feel like he's the biggest bullet they could pull out of the holster. I mean, yeah. he's Harbaugh was the biggest. He was the equalizer. He was supposed to be their urban. Uh, he's he hasn't been. Um, he's three years in. He's fine. Um, his record compares very similarly to Brady Hoke through the first three okay. years. Yeah. Um, almost step in step. And Hoke, I think, actually was better against Ohio State and Michigan State than Harbaugh's been. I, I think he was better than one in five. I don't know for sure, but I believe he was. Um, so look, I mean, you're right. Harbaugh is going to get a lifetime contract. They're never going to do better than him. But at some point. If, if this is going to be what we, you know, the greatest rivalry in all the sports, at some point he's got to win a game. And, you know, mm-hmm. they point to next year. I got that from a bunch of Michigan fans on Saturday. And um, and they point to next year and 18 returners and Peters and all this blah, blah, blah. And what I point to is, okay, but Ohio State is going to have Haskins and Dobbins and Weber. And they're going to have those receivers back. And they're yeah. going to have a lot of that defense back. And I think, okay, well, all right. You're going to have, you know, Peters will be at your quarterback. Big deal. I mean. I feel like Ohio State's players are still going to be better. So it's a tricky spot for them. I will say this. He coached his ass off in that game. He, he outcoached Urban for a half. And um, if he has a quarterback, any other quarterback other than John O'Corn, and I, I don't have a whole lot of interest in crushing John O'Corn. I, I saw his postgame press conference where he teared up and obviously felt terrible about it. And it's not like he was some stooge. He was highly regarded when he transferred from Houston. A lot of people wanted him. Um, and, and, and so he had a lot that was on his shoulders. I saw the tear and then I saw him go, you know, there was a, 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 a special needs kid who came up to him after the game. I saw a photo of him hugging this kid and, you know, you're reminded that he's a human. And then that, but that being said, he was just so inept, um, playing the quarterback position. And if they had gotten C plus quarterback play, they probably win the game. Well, and that, you know, that last interception was atrocious. I mean, oh, and he missed so many open guys, Johnny, all game. I mean, just airmailed it. I mean, yeah. just it was crazy how inaccurate he was. I mean, look, if you've got four minutes or so left in the game and you touchdown drive will win it, you know, that I think every Michigan fan would have taken that. But he just kind of he kind of blew it. And I don't think he was terrible. I mean, I, I don't think that John O'Corn went out there and just completely shot himself in the foot. But there's a difference between a guy like JT Baird or Dwayne Haskins at the helm of that much talent on offense versus a guy who clearly is in and over his head. And there's a lot of talent on Michigan's offense. Like they can, they can do this, but if you don't have a quarterback to distribute or at least have the baseline of 
I can get it to the guys who need it or, or be a threat passing enough to, you know, back some linebackers and safeties off the line of scrimmage. You're not, you're not going to be able to win. You're just not. And, you know, you kind of saw that towards the second half. I mean, the, the first half, they clearly, you know, just emptied all the bullets in the chamber, both offensively yeah. and defensively. And it, it was almost enough. It was almost enough. But I, I yeah. think I said last week, or I at least said in uh, one of the previews that, you know, if you score more than 20 points on Michigan, you win. And that's that's pretty much it. They just did not have the wherewithal to to really, you know, compete in a shootout. You you have to win on your defense. And then they, they had the opportunity and it just didn't work out for them in the second half. There was much talk when Harbaugh was hired that this would be the 10 years war redone. And right. what we can tell through three Ohio State Michigan games is that from a talent, from an organizational depth of talent standpoint, Michigan's got a long way to go. Yeah, They've still got a long way to go to get to where Ohio State is. All right, still to come, the new college football playoff poll is out. It is meaningless, and yes, we will discuss the Bucks' chances based <laughs> off of the first, the mess with Greg Schiano in Tennessee. And also, still to come, former Buckeye linebacker Darren Lee on the program. But first, a word from our title sponsor, Bend Active. Fellas, if you're like me and you're struggling to find gifts for the Buckeye lady in your life, or ladies, who knows, check out Bend Active. Ben's locally inspired fitness and fashion apparel is sure to make your special someone smile with when that package arrives. The game day collection. I know you've seen this. It features the officially licensed Ohio state leggings, tops, sports bras, yoga mats adorned with the iconic pants stripe worn by the Buckeyes, the Buckeye leaves the block. Oh, also the Shelly Meyer collection tops and bottoms inspired by the first lady of Ohio state football. And a portion of the proceeds of that go to the urban and Shelly Meyer fund for cancer research. Research Ben with its empowering message, flexible, strong, resilient, Columbus-based company, storefront located, 1617 West Lane Avenue in Upper Arlington, shops on lane. And you can shop now at www.bendactive.com and tell that special someone you've earned your Buckeyes. All right, before we get to Darren Lee, we have the Greg Schiano to Tennessee debacle, which transpired on Sunday. So Sunday's a day of rest for me with the children. Um, mm-hmm. I play with my kids. I, you know, we play football. We watch some NFL. That's the way that it typically works out. So I didn't know about any of this until late Sunday night when, uh, I got online for the first time and, uh, my overriding feeling was, um, disgust and, uh, anger, I suppose. And a little bit of, a little bit scared because of, of what, about how this transpired that, that a colonel of nonsense could get turned into truth if you say it loudly enough and often enough. And the the fact that we live in a political world where basically it's George Costanza, right? It's not a lie if you believe it. Like people <laughs> just lie. I mean, just outright lie day in yeah. and day out. It's verified. It's easy to prove that it's lie. Nobody cares. Nobody calls them on it. And that it crossed over into sports and turned a social media mob to force a program the likes of Tennessee to change directions on a coaching hire is terrifying to me that, that this could happen. Um, I don't know Greg Schiano. I, I've never met him. I, you know, he came after I left, so I've never met him. I think he's done a nice job. Um, but I am appalled that this sort of thing happened in, in college sports in 2017. And I think it's a terrible precedent going forward. The, the Let me ask you, mentality. Are you surprised that something like this happened? I am. I am. I didn't think I knew. I mean, we saw it happen in politics. Like, you know, that's going on. You know, it, it, what's going on in politics is, is nuts. Um, but I am surprised that this happened. Be- and what's shocking to me 
is that that nobody was honest about it. Like, if you don't want great, don't get on some moral <laughs> high ground. This this is not what that was about. They no. used a kernel of nonsense in a deposition for Mike McQuarrie. And, and maybe Mike McQuarrie, I'm sure Mike McQuarrie told the truth as he remembered it. Mm -hmm. uh, but Greg Shiano is on the record denying it. The Penn State University is on the record of saying Shiano, they believe Shiano had nothing to do with it. There's nothing in the Louis Free report of Greg Shiano at all. Bill Belichick and Urban Meyer both vouch for the guy. He's been properly vetted for every job he's gotten since the Sandusky stuff came out. And yet some clown with a big social media following can light light a few torches and attack, you know, Frankenstein at the at the gates. And so that's what happened. So I am surprised that they listened to these idiots. Like they'd done their due diligence. If you look at the response from the athletic director, he says, we did everything we were supposed to do, we, you know? <laughs> and then they bailed on it because of this mob. It was shocking yeah. to me that, they, that that would happen. See, here's the thing. I am not shocked at all. I'm not surprised at all, especially with what I know, you know, as far as what Tennessee has gone through in the past, you know, year or so. Uh, I'm not surprised that Tennessee fans were kind of the ones to maybe initiate this kind of mom mentality, something we really haven't seen too much of in college football. I don't think anybody's ever seen anything like this in college football ever. Uh, ever. And, and it does not shock me that Tennessee fans would be the ones to kind of instigate this. And I look, I don't know. Let, let's say hypothetically, because I have no idea. All, all I know yeah. about the whole McQuarrie thing is what he said uh, in a testimony yeah. or whatever. That That's all I know. Let's put that aside, okay? I'm not trying to say whether McQuarrie was right or wrong or if that really happened or didn't, because frankly, I don't know, okay? Yeah, um, right. But all that aside, okay, what really bothered me about this entire situation is something that you touched on, which is how incredibly disingenuous it is yeah. for Tennessee fans to say that they're really worried about Graciana's association with the whole Penn State stuff. That has nothing to do why Penn State fans as a whole, I'm sure there are some who are genuinely worried about that, but as a whole, that has nothing to do with why they didn't want Graciano in Knoxville. That has nothing to do with it. And it really makes me angry that they are willing to try to use that as cover to basically say that we don't want a coach that went 500 at Rutgers at our school. That's, it. That's why they don't want him there. It has nothing to do. And if Chip Kelly, if Chip Kelly was on the Penn State staff in the 90s and Mike McQuarrie said a third-hand story or a second-hand story about Chip Kelly, but Chip Kelly was high on the list and showed interest in going to Knoxville, they wouldn't say a word. They wouldn't not. say a thing about that. And that's what makes me so upset. It has nothing to do, like, I, you know, the mob mentality stuff. I mean, that's ridiculous, but that, you know, it's the internet. I, I feel like that's been coming for a long time, and I think you're going to see more of that. But the, the fact that you've got guys loudly saying how upset and how outraged they are about uh, the idea of this guy who's associated with what happened at Penn State coming to Knoxville. Look, they didn't care when their head coach, they didn't raise this kind of stink when their head coach said that a player was a traitor for helping out a woman who had just suffered a sexual assault. Okay, They didn't say anything about that. Yeah. They didn't say anything where they were campaigning to get a, a writer from the Tennessean fired for investigating sexual assault in the That's right. uh, Tennessee volunteer program. They didn't care about that. In fact, they had tried to initiate that. They tried to get her fired. So to me, it's incredibly disingenuous. It's it's false. It's like just infuriating that they would use that as cover for a really base, uh, selfish kind of uh, idea here. So that that's what really makes me upset about this whole affair. 
Uh, I don't really feel that bad for Greg Schiano. The dude's a millionaire, no. getting paid forever. But the, no. the scenario around it is incredibly disingenuous and just just fake. It, it all of those things are true. What what is surprising to me, what I think is we overdo in this country is because we recurrently are very. Uh, very much live in our own information silos. And oftentimes yeah. we don't have any interest in opening the door of the silo and hearing what anybody else has to say. Or, you know, if we do, if we are, you know, if we're in there and somebody infiltrates and they, we don't agree with what they say, we, we can mute them or unfollow them. And so mm -hmm. basically you're just walking around with a bunch of people who corroborate your opinion all day long. So how could you ever grow intellectually? And right. what's, what's worrisome to me is this was probably a vocal minority of people who did that. I got news for you that not that many people are on Twitter. Like right. you, you think the whole world's on Twitter. I got news for you. A lot of people aren't and they don't, they're not on it every day and they're not paying attention to it. And yet that minority, and we see it in politics with cable news where I see, you know, po political figures left and right playing to, you know, the constituency on that watch those shows in, 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 in prime time on whether it's MSNBC or, or Fox or whatever. And the reality is, is that in terms of the people who actually watch those shows, it's very little. I mean, yeah. you know, they, they play so much at end. It's also an incredibly old demographic that's watching those shows. And yet they play <laughs> that demographic right. over and over and over. And it's like 2 million people, 3 million people watch Hannity. Well, more that's, people watch the college football selection show than yeah. watch that. And yet that's exactly right. the whole political scene is shoved on these two or three shows that really not that many people are watching. And I think the same thing happened here. And that's what's worrisome to me, that an athletic director and a board vetted a candidate. And from what I understand, the most influential booster at Tennessee is Jimmy Haslam. And this was Haslam was big on Shiano. Big. Mm -hmm. Like this was he had done the due diligence. He talked to Urban, talked to Belichick, and they both recommended Shiano. And Haslam felt Haslam tried had talked to him. There was some conjecture that he had talked to him about the Browns. Um, Shiano being the Browns coach. Like he was that impressed with him. And so he felt like he got his guy. And for a board and an athletic director to panic over something like that. And reverse course. And Shiana's going to get some money out of this because they had an agreement. Um, everything that I'm reading, they had an agreement and he's going to get some cash out of this. Not that he needs it. He's still paid by the bucks. And to your point, he's got, <laughs> he's got tons, he's got boatloads of money. Um, but I do wonder what happens now with him. And I wonder what, you know, it was a foregone conclusion that he was gone after two years. Yeah. And now I don't know how that's going to shake out. I don't, you know, I don't know if, What's, I don't know if it shouldn't, but I don't know if this will have an effect on him getting a job somewhere else. Oh, I think it'll, I think it'll have an effect on him getting a job at a large, like big name school. If, if he wants to go to a Tennessee or something like that, like another school with that stature, he's going to have a really hard time just because of the PR problem. But if he wants to so go why to see a the PR problem, he's not, but that that's, that's the, you know I mean, I mean, that's to your point. He's not the problem. The problem is the backlash. And if other fan bases feel emboldened by what Tennessee fans yeah. are able to accomplish, then they'll do the right. same thing and they'll bring up the exact same points. And look, if you, if you want to make a person completely toxic or radioactive in the college football world, just mention that they were associated with Penn state during the Joe Paterna era. Right. Yeah, like period. And yeah, do it. again, I, I don't know whether what Mike McQuarrie said was, was honest or not. I mean, it might very well be, he could be dead on about what happened. I'm sure but, it was honest, but he's, again, he's recounting a story third exactly. hand. Right. So my, my entire point is, is that that is all beside the point, because all that really matters right now is the fact that if somebody can just attach that label to Greg Schiano, then that's going to be what any tier one or tier two school that wants to hire him is going to have to deal with.
especially if their fan base doesn't like his record at Rutgers, which is really what happened at, at Tennessee. And so, yeah, could he get hired at like New Mexico state? Sure. Could he get yeah, hired yeah. at like Auburn or something? I don't think so. I don't think he'd get hired at a place like that. I had so, somebody today tell me that they didn't think he'd get hired in the South. And I'm like, what does the South have to do with this? <laughs> you know? Cause they don't what like the that? fact that he's at Rutgers. I mean, I think I that guess. Might be- I mean, it's, it's the strangest damn thing. I actually think he would have, I don't think they're going to do better than him. Honestly. I mean, I don't know how, well, where it'll turn out, but some people say they were talking to Mike turn. Gundy. I think if they somehow make, you know, if they make do with Mike Gundy, I mean, that, that, that would be a hell yeah, of a for them. I but, agree. Mike Gundy would do a nice job there, but that's a harder, that's a tough job. I mean, there's not a lot of talent in the state of Tennessee and, and well, see, where the talent is, you have to compete with Georgia and Arkansas and Ole Miss and Alabama and even Ohio state for, so it's, that's exactly it's a tough job. Right. And that's what I think is so crazy about this, because even if they do hire one of these coaches that they really, really covet, like a Mike Gundy, there is absolutely no guarantee that they're going to be successful at Tennessee. No. That, 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 you know, that train has uh, left the station, for, I think, for that program in a lot of ways. Reminds they're not me- quite Nebraska, but yeah, they're, exactly. in, they're in the same conversation with like Notre Dame, maybe even Michigan. Um, they're, they're in that conversation of programs that you just don't know if they'll ever get it back to where yes. they had it. I mean, exactly. they're, they're in that league for sure. Um, crazy. Gosh, crazy weekend. I mean, you think about all the things that happened. Incredible stuff. All right. Still to come. We'll discuss the Bucks' chances at the playoff should they whip Wisconsin. But first, Darren Lee joins the program coming up next. And before we do that, though, be sure to visit 11 Warriors Dry Goods for shirts, hats, stickers, and more. Uh, the, the booze stuff is out. I saw the tumblers. Yes. They're out and ready to go. I know that it was a big good. weekend for the, uh, for the Black Friday, Cyber Monday, all that stuff. But all sorts of good new stuff at the Dry Goods shop. Drygoods at 11warriors.com, my friend. What, is, what are some of the other new stuff that's out there? Well, we've got, you know, we've got the uh, first in flight shirt, which is excellent. And I was kind of looking at our, uh, you know, we've got the, we got the bottle openers, all kinds of like goodies that you can stuff in the, in the stockings there. So I definitely recommend checking those out as well. I was going to, I just, I got an email about this. No kidding. About the, uh, the Sherman shirt. Can that be done on gray without the border? That's what somebody, I've had that asked to me several times. You know what? I think that's something we need to look into because I really love how it's set up, but I I think we can do some tweaks to design a little bit. So that's a great suggestion. Yeah, that's a good one. All right, Darren Lee up next. As promised, we are joined now by one of my personal favorite Buckeyes of all time, the great linebacker for Ohio State, Darren Lee, current linebacker for the New York Jets. Um, Buddy, we wanted to have you on this week for, we want to have you on every week, but we really want to have you on this week because I wanted to go back in time to 2014 with you. And I wanted you to take me in the mindset of you guys going to Wisconsin, going against Wisconsin, in the big 10 championship game. Did you have any thought of what you had to do or who you had to impress or how dominant you had to be in order to do what came next? Um, you know, I think the interesting about us going into that game is like one, like, you know, the end result, none of us were expecting. I didn't think it was going to be 59, nothing. Like I couldn't <laughs> <laughs> I know, man. I'm not. I'm not trying to throw any shade. I had no. I would not think. I thought it was going to be a really close game, but I knew, you know, if it's, it was going to be a close game, we weren't going to have that much of a shot of getting in. And so, you know, I remember talking to a lot of guys that that week, like, you know, we have to like beat these guys. We have to beat these guys profoundly, and it's just to show that we're, you know, that we're at least worthy of getting in. And um, just a mindset in going in. You know, we it, we already had so much, you know, going on up at that time. Um, it had already been a stressful pre like two weeks at that time. Um, you know, was losing the teammate, you know, that was heavy. Um, you know, so part was, you know, we really want to do it for him for sure, getting that win. Um, but you know, we weren't really thinking 
uh, oh, well, we got to go beat these guys 59 nothing if we were going to get in. No, we just want to come and beat them and get, you know, what we deserve. You know, we have seniors who, um, you know, they lost, you know, Michigan State the year prior, I believe. And so, you know, that weighed heavy on their heart, and they wanted to get that done, and we wanted to get it done for them. So uh, we just we came in and, you know, we did what we had to do, as we all saw. You certainly did. Are you, were you at what point during that? Because I, I was talking to Evan Spencer today on our television show, and, and I said, you know, to me, now looking back, you know, that was like a tidal wave that really started in East Lansing a few weeks before. And I don't know if, if I certainly covering it, you know, every day, I don't think I realized it until until long past. But we were on a title. You guys just got better and better and demonstratively so. There was so much confidence, you know, in that team. I mean, it, it was stunning. At what point did you guys realize you were 10 feet tall and bulletproof? Um, I would say, yeah, that game, that game in East Lansing definitely started it for sure. Um, I'll never forget that night. Um, that's, I guess you could say that's when the team, you know, grew up. But, you know, we, we said we had, we had enough was enough. Um, we weren't going to, you know, let these guys beat us again. Um, we still had that bad taste in our mouth. And we went in there and got the job done. But for going on for those weeks, you know, for those next coming weeks, um, that gave us all the confidence in the world when we beat them. Because we're like, okay, we had our loss. Now we've got, the, we've got some momentum going. Uh, we just beat the team that beat us last year. Okay, who else wants a piece? Who else wants a piece? And just keep going. We just kept going. And um, it was just a wave that was just going to continue to get bigger. So I was kind of thinking about that. This is going to be a little bit of a weird question, but is this, is that a collective decision by the team? Is this just where you've got a bunch of guys who are kind of just saying, all right, this is done, We're, and, and you have kind of small conversations, or is there somebody who steps up and says, this has to happen, we're going to do it in a certain way because this has to. This is the end goal that we want to have? Like, Is it a collective thing where everybody just kind of comes to the same conclusion, or there are like one or two leaders who really kind of step up and make sure that that does happen? I, I remember before the Michigan State game, Curtis Grant stood up before and made it ultimately known if we want to get to anything we want to get to or anything that we talk to and or anything that we had, you know, plans about, um, Michigan State was in the way and they we have to get through these dudes. And I'll never forget that speech. I mean I still get I still get, you know, chill bumps down my down my back just thinking about it, yeah. you know, because that was a real surreal moment. Like we want to get to anything we want to. They're they are in the way. And he, he, I'll never forget, he looked around at everybody, you know, everybody on the defense said, you know, I need every single one of y'all tonight. Every single one of you guys tonight. And that was just a defining moment that, you know, started the wave. I felt that that really started it and it continued to grow. And, you know, just we, we had no idea how everything was going to pan out, but we knew if we just kept, if we kept fighting and just kept pushing, we'll see where we're at. Um, and, you know, if we keep winning, we can't be mad at where we're at. And so, you know, we got to where we got to. And I just, I'll never forget that speech because that speech, you know, stuck with me all the way until we won, uh, until we won the national title. Darren, how, how does, what does Urban do? How is he so effective at getting teams to respond from a loss? I mean, I, I would rec, I, I would, I bring this up because I think about Florida State this year, where this is a team that's ranked second in the country. Alabama hammers them. They get, well, I mean, Alabama beats them. Their starting quarterbacks lost for the year. And they went in the t- tank. I mean, they, I don't know, they're like four and eight or something like that. Like, Urban somehow keeps you guys on track. They're, they're, you know, your guys' year was a little different. But, I mean, I think you go back to 14. I mean, Braxton's lost. There were people. I was one of them going, how the hell are they going to win 10 games? They don't have Braxton Miller. And then you yeah. lose the Virginia Tech game, and you're going, 
okay, well, I, where are we going to play? We're going to play in the Sun Bowl. I mean, we're not going to a real bowl game. I mean, that was the that was the feeling. What is it about him that gets you guys to to continue to buy into the message and not waver? Because he's had to do it twice this year. Yeah, um, he knows how to. I always say, I used to say, he knows how to strike strike a nerve. He knows how to, you know, to piss you off, honestly. Yeah, and. <laughs> Uh, it's the loss, you know, as it is, he knows how prideful we are. He knows that, you know, we're always confident. We feel like we are, as players and individuals on that team, you are amongst the best in the country. So he knows that as a competitive nature, and, you know, he doesn't have to worry about that being a thing or, you know, about you being or competing or being a competitor or something like that, not having a bad taste in your mouth after a loss. Um, he doesn't have to worry about that because he ain't going to bring you there. Um, and you won't play on the team if, you know, you don't have that competitive nature. So, um, when we lost to Virginia Tech, you know, I know everybody was hitting the panic button, was freaking out. Um, I was mad. I walked home that night. I didn't even drive home. I walked home. <laughs> I was so mad. And, uh, you know, th- just that off, off of that feeling, you know, he came in and said, hey, let's put our head down. Let's go to work. And that's the best thing you could possibly do when you lose. Just go put your head down, go to work, and shut your mouth. And that's, that's all we had there to it. And these guys, you know, hey, unfortunately we've had, you know, two – two blemishes this year, but that's okay. You know, you know, they've hit, you know, they've hit the reset button and they've got things. They've got, uh, you know, all cylinders are clicking again. And now we're going to see how this plays out. So this is a little, we've been talking kind of macro stuff. I kind of want to get into a more granular question here uh, for you, especially regards to linebacker play. I mean, th- there's been a lot of uh, turnover, I think in the coaching staff in general at Ohio state, you see a lot of people who shuffle around. And one of the things that I've always kind of thought about is how that affects the players in general. And what happens when you have, you know, you've got, you've got a group of guys, okay, they've been playing with each other for a little bit, and they might have seen two or three different coordinators. They might have had to deal with, uh, you know, people coming in and out or different schemes and things like that. How do, how do they keep it together and still make sure that they play at a really high level? Um, so playing at a high level, even if you have coordinators changing. Yeah. Around. Even if you got rotation, you've got people coming in and out, you know, different position oh, coaches. You got to keep, you have to keep the main goal inside, you know, in, in mind. Um, it's next man up. If it's someone that got hurt, someone else has to step up. Um, uh, but even if it's a changing coordinator, you know, cha- you know, that coaches are going to coach and players are going to play, um, whatever call they call in, you still have to go out and execute to the best of your ability. Um, shouldn't your play should not diminish just because somebody else is changing and that's, um, I don't think um, that is something that's possible. You know, that's something that you got to mentally be prepared for. It really shouldn't matter who the, the coordinator is, you know, because you still got to go up and whoop whoever's across from you. So, um, to me, you know, I guess, you know, they may a coordinator may have you playing a little bit differently or just in not a position you may not be comfortable with, but you still got to go out and play. And that's just the, the responsibility you owe to your brothers to go out and execute your job as best as possible. Is it weird to you not to see Fick on the sidelines? Is it weird? Yeah. I mean, going back, it is weird. You know, when I was on the sideline, I, I went back to the sidelines for the Illinois game, and uh, it was a little weird. Um, yeah. Especially you know, him being there. He had been there well before, long before I was even there. So um, it was a little weird. But, you know, I saw my other coaches there, so I was happy. Um, yeah. It was good to see them, too, uh, especially to see LJ and Coach Combs. Um, but I uh, definitely miss him. And I'm happy for him because, you know, he's going to do great things down there at Cincy. Yeah, he certainly is. Let let let's let's shift to your career now. You're in year two with the Jets. What what was what was the welcome to the NFL moment, and how was year two different than year one for you? Um, welcome to the NFL. 
Uh, I'd probably say it'd be a man to man on Jimmy Graham. Um, he made two incredible catches on me, and I'd say that was, you know, hey, welcome to the league. <laughs> welcome to the league. <laughs> you got some work to do. Um, but you know, it was a you know a humbling moment, especially me being a competitor that I am. Um, I'd say that, and then about fourth and five. No, fourth and four. Uh, Patriots were up five. Uh, Tom Brady got the ball. Um, they've already hit us on like four draws that night. I'm expecting it. I know it's coming. Checks runs a flare out. I have the back man to man. He gets five, uh, five yards, and uh, we invent- we lost that game. Uh, so I say that's another real welcome. Uh, yeah, they say this is chess, not checkers, Rook. <laughs> so uh, that's uh, that was a good little. That was a good moment. Uh, but I say a difference between uh, this year, and last year. I mean, I'm I'm so relaxed, I'm so comfortable out there. Uh, yeah. kind of pretty much know what I'm getting um, from an offense. I pretty much know all their calls. Me and Demario. Um, that's just that's just owed to the to the study and everything that we do. Um, and, and it's showing too. Uh, it's just yeah. it's um, it's a lot of fun. Uh, when everything slows down and stuff, and you can play fast all the time. This is yeah. sur- this is a little surreal to me, buddy. Just because I've known you for so long, your your mom and my wife worked at the same station, and I remember talking to your mom about you when you were got in eighth grade. She called you the man child, and we would you know yeah. tease back and forth. And I would always make a big deal when we showed New Albany highlights on TV. And um, I mean, I I saw you play, and I knew you were special. And I remember her asking me like, "How do I get him noticed?" Um, because New Albany wasn't a traditional power. It wasn't St. X. Right. It wasn't a place where people found players, typically. Um, and then here was this kid who did everything, safety, quarterback, played all these positions. And I, I remember you at the Ohio State camp with Von Bell where you balled out, and you get the scholarly, and you go to Ohio State. But then even at Ohio State, you've got to prove yourself. you got to prove, prove, prove. Um, and then to come full circle and to hear you talking about Jimmy Graham or Tom Brady it's a little surreal to me. Do you ever allow it to be for you? Do you ever say, holy hell, look what I'm doing? I mean, I know that you have all the abilities, clearly. But it's is there ever a moment? We, I mean, you've, probably, you've watched Tom Brady your whole life, and now you're competing against him twice a year, and now he's just another guy on the other side of the field. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I've thought about that even last year and even at some parts of this year, you know, because I'm such a fan of the game and sure. such a fan of these guys. You know, it's, it's crazy because now – it's <laughs> I'm getting paid to stop these guys and to stop these, <laughs> you know, to, to stop these people who you idolize or may you had in fantasy football. You right. have to go out and, and you have to go out and stop them. Um, and that's your job. You have to do that. And so you snap out of the fanboy thing pretty quick. Sure. Um, you could be a fan, you know, for in the, in the pregame warmups, um, just go over and say, Hey, what's up? But you know, once that foot is the ball, you know, all that's out the window. I don't care. I'm trying to be better than you. I'm trying to yeah. beat you. Um, but it is, you know, when you, you step back and you, know, you smell the roses, it is crazy. It is surreal. I, I, I consider to tell you this in high school, I had no idea that one day I'd be man-to-man on Jimmy Graham or a crucial fourth down play with, with, you know, Tom Brady. You would think that I'd be the one, you know, on the couch talking about how somebody messed, messed up on it or whatever. <laughs> got, got to make that pass break up. But that, that was me out there, you know, in position to actually make all that happen. So um, that's – it's still crazy to me to this very day. But – um. I'm still looking forward, you know, just to making my mark, you know, in this league and uh, in history, honestly. One of the things that, you know, Ohio State's been really successful as is obviously putting a lot of guys in the NFL. Do you do you keep up with a lot of the guys in the other teams? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially, oh, yeah. I was talking to uh, 
Kirk Coleman because uh, we just played the Panthers. He's, he's doing well. So um, I got to, you know, talk to him. And any, any guy who's on any other team, you know, we always, at the end of the game, we'll say something. If I see him before the game, we'll always go talk and wrap it up and just, um, you know, reminisce about the stuff we did. About if we played together, you know, reminisce about the stuff we did at Ohio State and you know, wish each other the best. And um, it's always good just especially seeing a, form, uh, a former teammate on, you know, just, you know, having that shield, you know, just being part of the shield and being part of the NFL because we've all worked hard for it. Um, and so it's just, it's just a real moment because these are guys you, you bled, you sweat, and you cried with. Well, what's cool, man, is that, you know, the, I th- I'm sure to some people it sounds cliche, but there really is, uh, and I'm sure it exists to a certain extent at other places, but I've never seen anything quite like the brotherhood at Ohio State when it comes to, um, boy, really looking out for each other. I mean, you, it seems like, I mean, I, I don't see anything as much as I see, like, you know, you guys changing, trading jerseys, you know, with, with, you know, former teammates. And it seems like no matter where, whatever happened in the game, when the, when the final bell rings, you find the former Buckeyes, you all get together, you share a moment. And I don't know if I see that with every, of course, it could be that Ohio State has so many pros, so it makes it easier. But um, mm-hmm. it seems like that's a pretty real thing. Yeah, it absolutely is. You know, this is a, a, a bond and a brother that we'll have until until the day we die. And that's what's so special about our university and so special about, you know, our football program. Um, it's not just, you know, football. It's also the relationships you have outside of it. And that's what's going to last you forever because, you know, football's going to stop one day. But um, it's so cool just to see. And, and, and the wave of guys coming into the league is just going to increase. So it's going to be great seeing, you know, seeing all my little bros get here one day too. And, you know, we're just paving the way for them, and they're going to pave the way for the next group of guys, and we're just going to look to keep it going and to keep that bond strong. And that's what's, you know, that's what you know drew me to go play at Ohio State. It's, I knew it was going to be something forever, even when football stopped. I'll get you out of here on this one. What's Saturday night like for you? Are you going to be able to watch the game? Will you be yeah, yeah, yeah. emotional? What's, when's kickoff? When's kickoff? It's like, it'll, well, it'll be after 8 o'clock, but it's a Fox game, oh, so it's not going to be over with till like, you know, 1230. Right. Oh, that's perfect. That's perfectly fine. Um I should be getting out of meeting, so I'll be probably mid first quarter. I'll probably be able to jump into it. So, um, yeah, I'll be watching. And now I you get hyped. Do you get nervous? Get hyped. You know, all my all my teammates on the Jets always want to talk trash, <laughs> and it's always funny because you know they. I'm like, yeah, you guys want to be us. Like, come on. <laughs> um, but it's it's it's, uh, it's all good. You know, I'm looking forward to us getting this W, and then seeing how this whole playoff picture is going to shake out. Well, hopefully it plays out the way it played out for you guys in 2014 and what turned out being one of the most memorable seasons in the history of college football, not just Ohio State football. Appreciate your time, buddy, and you're making us all very proud in the league, my friend. Absolutely. Appreciate you guys. All right, we want to remind you, don't forget to follow the 11 Dubcast on Twitter and rate and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. we recommend, or we hope at least you would rate us highly. All right, time for the Big Ten Championship game. Final segment of the program. Uh, Big Ten Championship game against Wisconsin. The college football playoff poll was released uh, today, Tuesday, when we do this show. It is meaningless. I don't know why people hand-ring over it. It was proven in year one it was meaningless, that they don't have a poll mentality, that you don't – I mean, I know why we do, because it's good entertainment. They're making a television show. But the reality is the thing doesn't mean anything. And so Mm -hmm. the final one is all that matters. Ohio State's eighth – again, irrelevant. How do they get in? Well – we said last week Alabama can't lose. Alabama lost. So at the very least, I think we're in a conversation where it'll be between Alabama and Ohio State, and that is a tricky spot for Ohio State to be in yeah. based on the fact that they have a bad loss at Iowa and Alabama doesn't. And Alabama's resume is not its not peerless. They don't have a lot of great wins, 
But if I ask you very simply, if we do a time to kill, <laughs> kind of a version of a time to kill with Matthew McConaughey in the in the in the uh, courtroom no scene, says, yeah, and he says, now imagine Kramer if she was white. Kramer. Right. So if we do that right now, we, and you know the part where he says, now imagine if she's white, and everybody goes, oh God. Now right. just imagine if Ohio State's only loss was at Michigan, who goes on to play in the Big Ten championship game by whatever they lost by 13 or whatever. And that was your only loss. You lost to a good Michigan team. Other than that, you beat everybody you played and you were ranked number one most of the season or, and then conversely, uh, Alabama's two losses are to a traditional power in Tuscaloosa in week two by a heavy margin and a 31 point loss in Starkville to Mississippi state. (laughs) That's where you're at. It's a hard that's the trick. Iowa, part of even it. Mississippi State, are they even that really? They're probably that. I think yeah. they're doppelgangers. All yeah. right. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it'd be like Alabama losing by thirty-one to Ole Miss or Mississippi State or Arkansas. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, that's so. That's why I've said, like, I won't advocate for them. Like, I hope they get in. I really, I mean, I, I hope they get in. I'm because yeah. I'm selfish, but it's hard to advocate for them. Yeah, no, it's impossible. I mean, like, <laughs> I think Ohio State fans who are really, really leaning hard on the name recognition of Ohio State to really pull it through. And, you know, Ohio State beats Wisconsin, and then, you know, maybe the SEC works out the way you want it to, and Oklahoma doesn't lose, and all the other stars align the way you want them to. Clemson doesn't lose to Miami. All that stuff happens. You're right. You still don't have a great argument over even a team like Alabama because look Ohio State was the beneficiary of that last season and they blew it if look this sounds stupid but this is the way human beings work If, if Ohio State comes out and maybe gives Clemson a really good game last year and it's not a complete blowout and they don't get embarrassed then maybe people will look at Ohio State again and go you know what not that different of a team it is obviously but not that different of a team Maybe they deserve another shot, especially if they won their conference championship. But that's not how that worked out. And when you lose that badly to Iowa, you have that on your resume. It is so hard to wash that stain away. I mean, that is really, really difficult. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like I said, I'm not I'm not going to advocate him for him either, because I think there's a lot of teams that are ahead of them that would do some serious damage to uh, their defense, especially. Uh, But, you know. A lot of things can happen, so we'll see. What this has been a pretty goofy year, so I'm not necessarily it's counting them out. It's been yeah. absolute nuts, and I, I think you know, as, as much as I said, Alabama can't lose. They did. Uh, yep. I would also say that Oklahoma cannot lose because oh, I just no. don't see a scenario where you could say, like, if, if Oklahoma loses and Ohio State gets in over Oklahoma, you are saying you are undermining the reason we all love college football, which is that every game matters. Mm-hmm. I mean, they won in Columbus. How could you possibly do that? I mean. Even if it serves our selfish needs, that's an that would be an incredible indictment of the whole college football model that we love, which is that every Saturday counts. So I don't know how you could put them in. And I got news for you. I don't think Clemson better lose either because no. Clemson's resume, even with two losses, um, I mean, they've beaten their resume of who they've beaten is pretty damn impressive. So it's a it's a tricky spot all the way around. So I, I think the roadmap in would be Oklahoma wins, Clemson wins. It doesn't matter. Whoever wins the SEC is in. And then yeah. it's just a matter of, are you a prettier girl than Alabama? That's the, that's right. it. Right. And you've got, so. and you have to destroy Wisconsin. <laughs> uh, you well, have let's to, get to annihilate that. Wisconsin because otherwise nobody's going to forgive that loss to Iowa, nor should they, frankly. No. I mean, that's, no. that's pretty horrific. So 
Yeah. And the, the other problem that hurts him is that I don't think anybody really believes in Wisconsin. Like they begrudgingly no, they put don't. them in the top well, four. They mostly think they're a paper tiger. I think, right. isn't the number like Ohio State's favored by six and a half or something yeah, like that? They're, they're six and a half favorites right now, which also hurts them because if you were looking at Ohio yeah. State in 2014, I mean, they're massive underdogs. So right. the shock of them coming out and doing what they did, I mean, that was the largest margin of victory by any underdog in college football history. So they had to do something right. that no team had even come close to doing. I mean, That's they, right. it wasn't just that it was the largest margin of victory by an underdog in college football history. It was like like three touchdowns. That's right. Like it was insane what Ohio State was able to accomplish. Yeah, so, that's right. So winning the Big Ten Championship isn't enough. You're expected to do that. Uh, you've, you've got to really come out and show people something. And look, I mean, like you said, Wisconsin is not – Wisconsin is essentially Alabama, right? But without the same kind of pedigree and faith in their talent. And I got to tell you something, Wisconsin come out and beat Ohio State. I mean, they've got, they have the team to do that. They have a team that is capable of putting up points if their quarterback does what it, you know, what he needs to do. I mean, they're not, they're not great, but they're also undefeated. And that's something that I think people should probably appreciate, especially given Ohio State's record. Well, they're better than Iowa and they're better than Michigan. Right. Exactly. We know that. Yep. We know that, that they're better than those two teams. And we saw what happened. I mean, Alex Hornibook is, is much more competent than John O'Corn. And as we get to the three <laughs> things for a Buckeye, and by the way, you know what? Maybe beat Michigan Wig the Big Ten is enough this year. Like, yeah. I hope, Buckeye fans, if you're left out of the four, I hope that you can enjoy another win over Michigan. Uh, your first Big Ten champion. I mean, Urban's only, this would only be Urban's second Big Ten championship. Right. So winning the Big Ten and go win your bowl game wherever that may be, you know, maybe mm-hmm. that's enough this year. Right. I mean, that's what we did for a hundred years was beat Michigan, win the big 10, go to the Rose bowl. Can't go with to the, the Rose bowl team with the youngest team in major college football to be able to do that would be a hell of an accomplishment. I'd, I'd be all about that. Yeah. So, and that'd be fine. And maybe then you don't, you know, maybe you don't suffer. You know, I got news for, I don't want to play Baker Mayfield again. <laughs> I, don't. I don't think anybody does at this point. No. I mean, he, he no. feels like he's gotten better as the year has gone no. on. I have no interest in playing him again. So, no. you know, that's now the other the thing that will probably hurt Buckeye fans is you'll look and you'll say, you'll look at Auburn, you'll look at Georgia and even Clemson to a certain degree and go, yeah, we could beat them. You know, we can beat those guys. So that there is no great teams this year. So that's the other part. Let's get back to the task at hand. That's the Big Ten championship game. The three things that are key to victory. I will start this thing off and I will say, number one, we had Darren Leon. It's his former position group. That's number one. Uh, they've got to be great. Wisconsin has a tailback, a freshman named Jonathan Taylor, who's an 1,800-yard back. They have a tight end named Troy Fumagalli, who is really good and one of the best tight ends Ohio State will have faced all year. This linebacking group, and Jerome Baker said it today uh, in an interview that he would grade himself as a D-minus on the Hmm. season. I wouldn't go that low, but they are a C-minus as a group. They've been disappointing. They've not been as good as we thought they would be. They have not been elite. They need to be pretty close to elite on Saturday against a Wisconsin team that has the exact antidote for poor linebacker play. Right. <laughs> well, look, my biggest, I mean, number one for me is, is, is Fumagalli. And it, like, I'm, I have, you know, night terrors about a guy just carving up that, that really soft underbelly of the Ohio state defense between the linebackers and the safeties. And he is 100% capable of doing that. Yep. But yeah, I mean, you look at Jonathan Taylor. I mean, what he's been able to put that that's got to be the quietest 1800 yards that I've ever heard of. This guy getting so little pub uh, for doing a really ridiculous amount of work. 
which is hilarious. And, and I think, you know what, I kind of wrote a little bit about this earlier uh, this year, um, or excuse me, earlier this week, but uh, <laughs> like people just expect that from Wisconsin. Like, oh yeah, 1800 right. yard rush. That's fine. He didn't play in week four. <laughs> he didn't right. miss the game and he has 1800 yards of rushing. Uh yeah, it's it's completely absurd. I'm actually looking at the stats right now. There are two games in which, or excuse me, three games in which he did not rush for 100 yards, and in two of those, uh, in the first game he had nine carries for 87 yards, Jeez. and then against Illinois he had 73 yards, but he only had 12 carries. So this right. is not this guy's really good, and Wisconsin really has just kind of like it feels like they've evolved into this you know, whatever the final evolution for Wisconsin football is where they are the purest form of what they are ever going to be is pretty much what they are under Paul Chris. Like that, that's what they are. They're, they are yeah. just the ultimate expression of Wisconsin football, which is punch you in the mouth a hundred times a game, make sure the quarterback doesn't screw up too bad and throws about 30 times at the tight end and then win a bunch of games. And, and they are the ultimate expression of what, uh, you know, Barry Alvarez wanted them to be. And that's, I mean, shoot, good for them. Like maybe they aren't an amazing team, but they are definitely a team that Ohio State needs to respect. Absolutely. Absolutely they do. Um, Number two for me is Ohio State, they have the talent to do it. This is the best, one of the best, not as good as Oklahoma's offensive line, but probably the second best offensive line they'll face. And Alex Hornibrook, you've got to get, they've got to be able to get pressure on him with the front four. Yeah. That, That Hubbard, Bosa, those guys got to get there, and I think they will. I mean, that, that to me will be key is the pressure from the front four without having to blitz, which will take pressure off the linebackers, and they can just tackle running backs and cover tight ends. Yeah, me number two is uh, for me number two is just just don't stop stop starting slow. Just, just go out with your hair Please, on fire. For the love of God, stop stop getting behind in the games. Just play to your ability as soon as the game starts, as opposed to maybe halfway through the second quarter or at the beginning of the second half. Like, just for love of God, quit getting down 14 to nothing or 17 to nothing. That is not a formula for success in general in sports, I've heard. So I would hope that they actually come out and maybe get a lead. I don't know. Maybe take the lead to start the game. That would be cool. So that would be my second thing. Number three for me is dovetails off of that. And it's just, don't forget that you have two great running backs. Like, please remember that they exist. Uh, Don't go away from them. Make sure that they have more combined carries than the quarterback. I mean, whoever the quarterback, I think it'll be JT barring some sort of setback in practice this week. I'm sure it'll be JT. Um, But please remember that you have those two guys because they're really good. Both of them are, and they're real weapons and they can set a tone and they will allow you to start fast, and they will allow you to control the ball because the other thing that's really imperative for Ohio State in this game is that Wisconsin does not control tempo because Wisconsin will grind out 10-play, 82-yard drives that suck the life out of you. And if you go three and out, monkeying around, and they do another one, your defense is smoked. So You've lost a quarter, too. You've lost 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 a quarter. Yeah, you can't. You've got to control the football. You've got to control time of possession. You've got to take advantage when you have the ball, and you can do that by relying on two very, very good running backs. Yeah, it, I, I agree with all that. My last thing would be just go for broke. I mean, it's look, work, do, stick with what works. I mean, if the running backs are, are doing their thing and, and then maybe it's not a super impressive bomb, you know, 50 yards down the field, fine, whatever. But you have no reason to hold back anything 
from the entire year. If you've got any crazy plays that you've been keeping in your yeah. back pocket, if you've got any other thing that you might want to re- – just do it. It doesn't matter Now's at the this time. point. Now is the time because, look, the only way you're getting in the playoff is if you win by a ridiculous amount. So you've just got to go out and play – like your hair's on fire, like there's nothing left to lose. Because there isn't. There isn't. No. It doesn't really matter at this point. Just unload the chamber, do everything you possibly can. And honestly, that'll be a more entertaining that way, uh, game that way anyway. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that if they choose to go that route. I would hate it if they play just to win. And that, to me, is A, a recipe for a really boring game and possibly a loss because that, as we've discussed, yeah, is not what right into this football. No, and it plays right in Wisconsin's hands. They'll eat yeah, that for exactly. lunch. They will absolutely eat that for lunch. Do we have any Ask Us Anythings I forgot to ask you before we came on? No, we we've, we've got a couple. I'll, we'll okay. go through this real briefly. If you guys want to ask us anything, uh, you can send us questions to dubcast at 11warriors.com or at 11dubcast. We've got a couple. We can say put some of these in our back pocket for a little okay. bit, uh, but I want to ask just a couple here. Um, so we talked a little about Greg Shiano, so we got a question about that. Um one of the things that I want to ask you, I believe this might've been from last week. Okay. You know what? Tell you what, let's stick with it. So this is from Dave. Dave wanted okay. to know, uh, this is kind of going back to Jim Harbaugh a little bit. And he said, or at least someone said about this, that Harbaugh needs like five years to get the program where he wants it to be. Do you think five years is something that is a reasonable expectation for a place like Michigan? And do you think that uh, they'll be that patient? Well, the word you used is reasonable. And so here's what's happened in college football in the last decade. Because of the (laughs) influx in television money, these programs can pay coaches a premium. And in the case of Jim Harbaugh, upwards of seven million, I think, is what he makes. And so he's I think he's second only to Saban. So um, they're paying him to deliver on that. Right. And so what that creates is unrealistic expectations. And that's how coaches get run in two and three years into a rebuild, Harbaugh's mm-hmm. not going to get run because he's a Michigan legend and he's got a lifetime contract. And I, hopefully the people up there are smart enough to know how much worse it can be. Five years would be about right. I think it's always important to point this out though, especially, you know, we have obviously a Buckeye audience that Urban Meyer was a gift delivered from God. The fact <laughs> that we were able to go from Jim Tressel the biggest scandal in the history of the program, although it doesn't look that big in retrospect, yeah, to Urban freaking Meyer, yeah. like nobody fails up like that. Nobody does. Usually, <laughs> I mean, if you think about like the the muck that Alabama had to get through to get from Gene Stallings to Nick Saban, I mean, it was 15 years of muck. That's usually what happens between legends. I mean, the fact that Ohio State was able to go from Jim Tressel to better is nuts. I mean, that... So I, I just think that's important to bring to remind people of that because typically what happens in these things is there's a tremendous drop off because you have a, several misfires trying to replace a legend and Michigan had that replacing card. Lloyd Carr it was a le- is a Michigan legend and they they misfired several times trying to replace him. They finally got their guy and my hope is that they're smart enough to realize how much worse it could be. There's no doubt in my mind Harbaugh's going in the right direction. Can they yeah. rediscover what they were? You know, in 97, I don't know. Um, I think maybe they can, but it'll be about recruiting. But I think they can do a lot worse, and hopefully they're smart enough to realize that. Yeah, I, I think the the state of their program in 2017 is light years beyond. Even like they, People will compare Brady Hoke's 
overall record for Jim Harbaugh's right now. But institutionally, in terms of how they're recruiting, I don't I don't think it's even close. The reason why Brady Hoke had such a dramatic drop off is because he wasn't recruiting. Like the guys he were bringing in just simply weren't the level of recruit that you needed to see. Michigan has much better recruiting classes as of late. And I think that's what's going to really help Harbaugh out. Plus, I mean, again, I, Michigan fans are really harping on this, you know, especially in the past week. But it is an incredibly young team. They have a lot of guys coming back. I think they're going to be yeah. very, very good next year. So, yeah, I, I think five years is reasonable. But you're right. It's, it's a, you know, it's it's hard to justify that sometimes to people. Uh, yeah. Last one here real quick. This is from Mark. Um, this is a Dwayne Haskins question. So is Dwayne Haskins now so deeply entrenched as next year's starter that the other guys might as well transfer? Is there any way that he is not the starter next year? This is what this is how this will play out in my estimation. Dwayne Haskins will be the starter next year. Mm-hmm. Urban Meyer will not name him the starter until fall camp, and that yeah. will ensure that those other guys stick around. Um, he can Wait, afford so one of them to transfer. He yeah. can't afford both to transfer, so he has to keep them engaged in the battle. And I do think that he will have to be honest to either Tate Martell or Joe Burrow and allow them to leave, probably be Joe, just because he's so much older. Um, yeah. if, if Dwayne's and they like Joe a lot. I mean, I, I'm not Joe's not you don't throw Joe out with the bathwater, but it's just that they that they really like Dwayne. And um hopefully there's an honest conversation with Joe and he's able to go play somewhere if he wants to. Um, because I don't know, like, can you keep Tate Martell? Is he gonna stay happy on the roster? Like backing up Dwayne Haskins for three years, two years. <laughs> well, maybe I, because, it doesn't I mean, strike me as that type, but maybe I'm wrong. Well, and then you've got Emory Jones coming in next year too. So this is a really delicate play that Urban has um, that's going to have to be made. Well, then that, well, let's add an extra dimension to that because you know Emory has been obviously getting overtures from Alabama. A lot of other people aren't really sure, you know, if he's actually going to be here next yeah. season. So I, you know, that to me is really fascinating because I think that changed the metrics on this a lot. I don't think Joe Burrow would be extremely happy, you know, just becoming a, you know, a backup to Dwayne. No. Haskins. I don't think Tate Martell necessarily would either, but let's say Joe Burrow transfers. All right. And then let's say Emory Jones doesn't work out and doesn't pan out and doesn't end up coming to Columbus. Well, now what do you got? You've got Dwayne Haskins. Yeah. Who's, who's legitimately like, you know, got a great future as a quarterback. And then behind him is Tate Martell. And Dwayne Haskins gets hurt is Tate Martell your guy like is he the dude that you can trust to be the backup yeah so I I think that's a really interesting question and and obviously you know if they don't get Emory they're gonna get somebody else but that changes a lot of this about who ends up uh being a a backup because really the backup position in Ohio State football you know as a quarterback is an incredibly critical one right and has been for a long time now so that I think is going to influence a lot of how this plays out. I would love to see Joe Burrow stay because I think he could be an essential part of a, you know, a plan where you need a backup. But, you know, I also don't know that I would have to ask that guy or, or be able to, you know, have the stones to ask that dude to take on that kind of role. Cause that's, you know, he's yeah, a talent. He wants to play. Right. Yeah, he wants to play. Dude. He can start a lot of other places. Oh yeah. Yeah. So. He could have started at Michigan. I'll tell you that. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. Uh, so wait. the other thing on that, that I would say, like, if you, if you could draw it out perfectly, you know, yeah. I don't know that either Tate or Joe ever plays because if, if it plays out perfectly and it's, and they do get Emory and it's Haskins for two years oh, and sure. then it's Emory Jones as a red shirt, what would he be a red shirt freshman yeah. that would work perfectly, you know? So I, you know, but they love Martell. I mean, they love them all. 
But, you know, when you recruit nothing but five stars, somebody's going to get left in the left out. You know, it's just the way it's going to be. And it's going to be hard to deal with from an ego standpoint. Right. Uh, real quick. Last thing that Mark asked, you want to know what most critically important. What is your favorite Christmas song? Oh, the um, well, Silent Night is probably my favorite from the time when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. I'd say Silent Night was my favorite. Um, but I get it. I mean, the Mariah Carey one that you hear all the damn time is pretty good. It is good. That's a pretty. That's, that's, that's a why good it's, song. Yeah, you would think we'd all get annoyed by it by now, but it's 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 actually really good. So we don't. No, it's very good, and it's in Love Actually, which is easily the most tolerable holiday movie that, you can watch. Agree. Like, yeah, great comedy agree. in it. I mean, I, it's good. It's a good. That's a very tolerable romantic. I think it's. I think it might be the most tolerable romantic comedy of all time. It's pretty. I, well, you know what? I it's you know good. there are some other ones I might put up there, but that one's pretty good. I enjoy that one a lot. Yeah, it's great. Um, I mean, you got the Billy, what the hell, Billy Mac or whatever the guy, the old rock star in it. I, yeah, he's fantastic. Yeah, he's you know good. the guy who sings the Christmas song. He's fantastic. Right. It's Hugh Jackson or uh, Hugh uh, Grant's great in it. Yeah, it's pretty solid. I mean, it's and that song's in that. So yeah, it's Liam a win. Neeson. Fun movie. You know, Liam Neeson with the little kid. I mean, my God, make great. you cry. Yeah, uh, for me, I got I got three. I got I really enjoy. Um, oh shoot, God rest you, married gentlemen. I like uh, the barking dogs singing jing jingle bells. That one's really fun. <laughs> I think I said this last year, but I also like there's a uh, Ramon song called Merry Christmas. I don't want to fight tonight. And I really enjoy that as well. So that one's well, pretty nice. good. That, that'll, that'll be my top three. That's a pretty good three right there, my friend. Yeah. All right, buddy. That is ask us anything. That's all we got. Well, we have more, all but right. we can get to them a little bit later. Yeah, this was we did. This was such a loaded show. We didn't even get to this Bruder film on JT Barrett, but I think that's <laughs> lost steam. So. You know, if it's yeah. still something to talk about next week, we'll we can talk that about dude it. Down. All right, buddy. Be good. Talk to you next week. Yep. Talk to you next week.